Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Seth Castile. He's an award-winning photographer and New York Times bestselling author. His series of underwater dogs photographs have been seen by hundreds of millions of people around the world and have become one of the most famous series of images in the past decade. Seth's work has been published in the National Geographic, the New York Times, and in hundreds of other magazines, newspapers, and calendars. You may have seen him on Good Morning America, Extra, Jeopardy, The Insider, and Inside Edition. He's traveled the world in pursuit of his passion, working with animals on five continents. Welcome, Seth. Hey, Vanessa. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad you could be here today. So uh, how did you get interested in photographing dogs and, and particularly in underwater dogs? Well, the reason I got started photographing dogs is actually because of cats. Oh, really? So, <laughs> funny enough, I was working with cats first, and cats uh, kind of led me to the path of photographing dogs. Um, long story short, I used to do movie advertising uh, as a career in Los Angeles, and uh, a friend of mine found some homeless kittens on the Sony Pictures studio lot. Uh, and the kittens needed homes, and so I had volunteered to take some pictures of the kittens to see if we could get people interested in adopting them. Uh, so we snuck the little kittens into an executive's office at Sony, and I snapped off some, some cool shots of the kittens playing around on the sofas and all that. Uh, I'm not sure if the executive would have liked the fact that we had all these kittens running around the office, but we did it anyways. Anyways, we got some great pictures. All the kittens got adopted, uh, which was fantastic to see. And then, of course, a couple weeks later, we found some more kittens, so I did it again. Eventually, it led me to the path of uh, volunteering at animal shelters in Los Angeles, taking better pictures to increase adoption rates for both dogs and cats. And that's kind of how I got started with this path uh, with photographing cats and then dogs. The underwater element, do you want me to get into that? Well, sure. And I I do think that that's really interesting that you started out um, just helping animals get adopted because I think there are so many animals in shelters that make great companions for for families and, and they if they don't get shown well, people don't even know that they're there. So that's, that's awesome. No, absolutely. You know, rescue and adoption is such a fantastic option for people interested uh, in a new pet, you know, for themselves and their families. Uh, a lot of people don't know, you know, how many amazing pets there are out there, you know, and they say, oh, maybe I want this type of pet. I mean, just the other day I found some amazing um, 12-week-old cockapoo puppies in an animal shelter, all available for adoption. And sometimes people could pay, you know, $3,000 for one of those puppies, but you could go in there and, and have a cockapoo puppy for about $50, which is pretty cool. Is- um, but it is something that I try to promote. You know, the reason I got started with this career is by helping. I didn't know helping would lead to a career, but it's been a nice surprise. And so uh, I started a nonprofit a couple of years ago called Second Chance, and I teach workshops now at animal shelters around the world 
on how to take better pictures to increase adoption rates. And it's really, the idea is all about improving the image of rescue and adoption, you know, so people aren't afraid to go to an animal shelter and adopt. And they're, instead, they're, instead of being afraid, they'll be inspired to go there and, and bring home a new friend. That's awesome. So how did that lead into the underwater dogs? Yeah, that's kind of a crazy transition. <laughs> it is a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, kind of one thing led to another. I mean, the whole process of uh, working with animals has just made a lot of sense. I used to do, I used to want to be a movie director and a movie writer. I went to film school and I had a great time in film school, but it, it seemed like that path for me was a little bit, um, ultimately it didn't work, you know, and I was trying really hard and it just didn't quite make sense. The whole thing working with animals just it really worked. It just started working. I mean, I did the volunteer thing um, for a while, and then one day somebody asked if I could photograph their dog, like a commission photo shoot, which led to a small business, like a part-time business as a pet photographer. So people would then, you know, call me and hire me to photograph their pets, you know, to capture their pets' personalities and portraits and do family portraits and all that. Um, so I was doing that for a while, and through the course of working with a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel named Buster, a commission photo shoot in California, um, that led me to the path of underwater dogs. So we did a photo shoot on land. Little Buster, the Cavalier, decided he would rather <laughs> go swimming the entire time. He just was jumping in the pool over and over again after this little tennis ball. And he would jump in, and he would submerge a little bit when he'd go after it. He was having so much fun. And I, just watching him, I thought, wow, what does he look like under there? So I left. I bought a little point-and-shoot underwater camera. I came back to the photo shoot, did a couple snapshots. And that was the beginning of the series of underwater dogs. Well, and I, I actually found you through Facebook because I started seeing your underwater dogs being shared by my friends. And I think... There's, the photos are so amazing because, first of all, the dogs look so ferocious when they're going after these balls, but you can just see the joy emanating off of them from how much fun they're having. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I love it because all these dogs are having fun along the way. And I think most people that have seen the pictures probably know this, but all the dogs are choosing to participate in this. So there's, I've worked with probably 400 dogs now underwater, uh, and they're all choosing to swim and dive and go underwater. Some, some may ultimately choose to swim and then maybe not go underwater too much. Some ultimately may choose not to swim at all, in which case we just go do it on land shoe. But I'm so proud of all these dogs that are part of this project because, you know, they've gone from maybe never swimming before to taking a chance and getting in and going underwater and having fun along the way. And uh, I'm so excited that the pictures sort of portray that. Well, and I know that you um, just published a book with a lot of the photographs of your underwater dogs. Can you tell our listeners where they can find that and what the name of that book is? Sure, yeah. The book's called Underwater Dogs. It's a photography book. I call it an exploration of the emotion of dogs underwater. Um, <laughs> it features 67 different dogs. and It could be labs, golden retrievers, uh, Newfoundlands, you know, the typical water dogs, typical dogs that just absolutely love the water. But then you have dogs like Pugs, Dachshunds, Cavaliers, Cocker Spaniels, Boston Terriers, even a Chihuahua, a Wolf, uh, Puppies, and then you even have um, senior dogs, too, that are, you know, 12, 13, swimming for recreation. Uh, so it's terrific. Uh, the book is available. You can buy it through my website, which kind of links you up to uh, either Amazon or Barnes & Noble. So if you're at a Barnes & Noble store, you'll find my book there. Most independent bookstores will carry my book, uh, Amazon, and there's some other places online. So you can definitely find it out there. That's awesome. So, Seth, how, do you, um, how does your spirituality find expression in your art? Sure. So um, for me, you know, 
Uh, to answer that question, I think dogs, dogs are sort of my entire life. <laughs> and my spirituality is interesting. I grew up, um, you know, going to church every Sunday, and, um, and that was great for me. You know, I had a, I had a great childhood. These days, I sort of let dogs kind of guide me, <laughs> guide me down my path. I think that's kind of strange, you know. God, dogs are sort of a little bit my higher power, however that works out. But, you know, my thing is I, I want to make the world a better place. Um, I don't go to church today. I don't pray. Um, that's not my thing. Uh, but I do believe that it's important to do the right thing. And it's important to do what you can to make the world a better place. And, you know, the way that I got started with my work through just helping, just helping once a week, you know, a few hours a week. And, and the fact that that's led me to this career where I can, you know, have a job and, and pay for my rent because of animals. I just I will always, I was, I will always remember that. And it's so important for me to give back. So, you know, when I'm doing my work, like I'm inspired to help because these animals inspire me. Well, and I think it's interesting that, that dog and God are so closely related as far as the letters go. Just rearrange it a little bit, and you've got one or the other. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I think a lot of people recognize this. You know, dogs teach us so many things about how to be better as human beings uh, in very subtle ways, you know. And I think that the number one thing about dogs that admires me the most is their ability to forgive you know, I mean, they, they love unconditionally, of course, which is, which is incredible. I wish we could do that, too. But the fact that they can forgive and move forward is, is amazing. I mean, when I go to animal shelters and I meet dogs who have had, and cats, too, they've had a tough situation. We don't always know their circumstances, but, you know, they've put their faith in people. And maybe those people haven't put their faith back in the dogs, you know. I mean, dogs trust us because of us. And when dogs, when that trust is broken you would maybe assume that um, the dogs would be more skeptical of people, but they're not. You know, they're willing to say, you know what, maybe yesterday wasn't very good, but tomorrow is going to be a better day. And I like that they don't stop believing in us. That is amazing. So I know you do a lot of traveling. Are you able to have your own dog right now, or do you travel too much to be able to do that? Yeah, you know, people always ask me that. How do you have dogs and you travel? And I've got a, a, a fantastic support system. Uh, with family, for example, my mom is <laughs> obsessed with my dogs uh, <laughs> to the point where it's hard for me if I'm out of town and come back, you know, maybe I won't be able to, it's kind of hard to take my dogs back because she's so excited about it. But, you know, I do travel a lot, but, um, but then I'm home again and I, I make sure I spend lots of time with them. And they have an amazing support system with my mom and other family. So it's good. I have a little mini Labradoodle, a rescue dog called Nala. Uh, and she's originally got her in Orange County, California. She's a little poodle mix, um, maybe like a poodle lab or a, a poodle cocker spaniel or a, who knows, but she's, <laughs> she's fantastic. And then I have a little terrier named Fritz and ironically, neither of my dogs enjoy swimming or fetching. Oh, really? <laughs> they do not appear, uh, in my book underwater, although you will find a picture of me holding my, uh, mini labradoodle in the book just as a bio shot but yeah i actually did some swimming lessons with them and they just it's not their thing you know they'd rather be on the couch <laughs> so do you find that you're able to um shoot animals i mean photograph animals as in shooting photograph animals every day 
Yeah, pretty much every day. <clears throat> I mean, I'm working on different projects these days. Sometimes I'm actually planning them, and sometimes I'm shooting. But I always have the urge to go out and create every day, um, even just walking to get coffee. Nowadays, I'm actually living back in uh, Marina del Rey, California, and just on my morning coffee run, I'll just run to get a coffee and, you know, usually bring the dogs and bring my camera and either take pictures of them or see if I meet any other dogs along the way that may need a photograph just just to see what opportunities pop up because you never really know. So it's been nice. I've been meeting a lot of the new neighborhood dogs and, and uh, creating some snapshots of them, which is great. But I do love to create every single day, and if I'm not shooting, I'm doing something else creative. I just, if I don't do something creative, then I start to get kind of itchy. So do you have any um, kind of process that you use to tap into your creative flow or to that creative energy? You know, I kind of allow the dogs to inspire me. I mean, when I do a commission photo shoot, for example, I don't, I don't always know very much about the dog. I don't always know much about their lifestyle. But when I show up and I meet the dog for the first time, um, then the ideas start happening for me. So, and it's incredible. Like I don't, you know, I could think about shots. Maybe I know what the dog looks like. Maybe I know I'm working with a golden retriever that likes to play fetch, or we're going to go to the park and do a photo shoot. But I couldn't predict what those pictures will look like until I meet the dog. And the dog, depending on how the dog is and how our relationship is, then for me the ideas start to make sense. So through the process of teaming up with the dog and the dog's owner, we start creating these photos. But I kind of allow the inspiration to happen from the dog and from our time together, from our relationship. So do you have an amount of time that you typically allow for a commission photo shoot? Yeah, I mean, these days, I'm, you know, I don't do a ton of commission shoots anymore. Um, but, you know, it's usually a couple of hours. I find that the, the more time that we have, the better our relationship becomes, the more advanced it becomes. I start to figure the dog out more. The dog starts to figure me out more. We have a better friendship. The level of trust is going up, and we can usually create even better pictures. So, you know, I used to do little mini 15, 20-minute photo shoots, and I love uh, spending more time just because it allows us the opportunity to capture more unique moments. So, Seth, at what point in your life did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? Um... (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> That's a really good question. I was always being creative when I was a kid. I mean, I grew up um, drawing cartoons and doing a lot of videography and creating little commercials and, and miniature movies and um, and that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I ever really considered... I don't even know if I really consider myself an, an artist now. Really? I, that's, I never really think about that too much. I mean, I'm taking pictures. I made a, an art book, I guess. I made a photography book. Uh, I'm doing art exhibitions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if I really... Uh, I really kind of consider myself an ambassador of an ambassador of animals rather than a, an artist, I guess, if I had to choose. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, sorry, I couldn't answer your question very well on that one. I don't. I guess I don't really think of myself as an artist that much. No, you answered it just fine. So it sounds okay. like that that some of your work is kind of a little bit more solo, and then uh, there's a number of the things that you do that are more collaborative. Do you have a different way of connecting into your creativity if you're working solo versus if you're working in conjunction with some other some other folks? Um. 
You know, I mean, being positive and working with other people, I mean, I do a lot of work by myself, but certainly with some of my photo shoots, I'll team up, maybe with the dog owners, or maybe occasionally I'll do assignments, like the Walt Disney Studios hired me to do a, a marketing shoot for a movie they're doing, and there I'm teaming up with lots of other people. Um, and so I guess to answer that question, I would just say I, I try to keep things extremely positive and uplifting. Actually, I did a, a, a public service announcement photo shoot with some charity partners the other day for a, a new um, project we're doing called One Picture Saves a Life. And it's basically an extended effort of my nonprofit. Again, we're going to be teaching workshops at animal shelters, how to increase adoption rates, the importance of photography and marketing. You know, but there we teamed up with, I was teaming up with all kinds of exciting people, uh, Jackson Galaxy, you know, from the, the Animal Planet Cat Show, um, Shorty Rossi of the Pit Boss, mm-hmm. and even John Paul DeJoria of John Paul Mitchell Systems, who's an amazing guy, an amazing philanthropist. But we're teaming up, and, you know, the one thing when teaming up is I just like to keep it super positive, be open-minded, who's got ideas. Um, it's a collaborative process, so you've got to be open-minded. Well, I love that. I love doing things in collaboration, so I think that's cool that and I, and I found that, too, that that positive attitude goes a long way to make everything go smoothly. You know, and a few of the ideas the night before, I thought, maybe these aren't, maybe these aren't the kind of ideas that we're going <laughs> to want to do tomorrow. Because we only had limited time. Right. So, you know, I have to be very careful with uh, suggesting some different ideas without hurting anybody's feelings, too. So, ultimately, it worked out. I think we got some amazing footage. Everybody was super positive about it. And we still made sure we create a sense of urgency with these, you know, these TV spots, too, because it's an important message. But um, ultimately, it's a very positive thing. So, uh, yeah. So I think to stay positive and be open-minded. So, Seth, how do your ideas come to you, and how do you decide which ideas you're going to move forward with? Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go back to dogs. Uh, well, the underwater process is that if I didn't meet this dog, Buster, I probably wouldn't be here where I am right now with a book called Underwater Dogs. I mean, it's just, I kind of followed, I followed Buster. So, I mean, I had to kind of figure out how to do it all and figure out how to work with the dogs and, you know, help them understand what I'm trying to accomplish. I mean, certainly there's a lot of work that went into it, but the original concept just started with dogs um, and a dog jumping in the pool. And, and that's pretty much it. And I think that's true with most of my work. I mean, whatever happens with all, all my photographs, um, you know, whatever happens, I just sort of, let that inspire me. And I like that. I like the fact that sometimes it's unpredictable. I have a very unpredictable life and a very unpredictable career. And I'm never too worried about that. Um, and it's exciting because I know that inspiration is going to come from whatever I'm doing. It's just, that's what's going to happen. I don't, I don't always just sit around in a room and, and think about ideas. I just sort of go through life and, and let life inspire me. So it sounds like that with a lot of your work that you don't do a lot of pre-planning in advance, but you have so many things going on that I would think that, you know, from a scheduling standpoint that you do have to work that in at some point. Yeah, I'm not doing a whole lot of planning. (laughs) (laughs) Just going with the flow. There's not a whole lot of planning involved, Vanessa. Yeah. With my life. It's it's like, where am I going to be next week? I don't know. Maybe I'm going to be here. (laughs) Maybe I'm going to be there. Uh, But that's okay. I mean, yeah, now, you know, I'm actually getting ready to shoot a new book, and there will be some planning involved with that uh, because I'm working with a lot of different dogs, and they're going to be, again, all around the United States. And there's certain dogs uh, that I have to find and certain dogs that have to find me. So there will be some planning. But, I mean, a lot of the book for 
you know, underwater dogs, that was, uh, it was kind of on a whim. I mean, there was not a lot of planning on that. And I basically went around the country doing these little special photo shoots with hardly any planning and work with all these different dogs. And all of a sudden we have a book. I think that's awesome. Well, and I know in your bio, it's, it said that you've been on five different continents photographing animals. I have been. So have you, do you photograph other types of animals when you're in different places or is it always dogs and cats? Yeah, I'm interested in working with wildlife as well. Um, you know, I used to do more wildlife work and it's, I think it's more difficult to, number one, um, make a living photographing wildlife. And number two, I'm ultimately interested in working with dogs because that's my life. That's my connection. I'm fascinated by the emotion of dogs. You know, I have an interest in other animals. Like I went to Alaska actually um, about maybe six months ago now, and I had an amazing trip there. I, I went to document the spawning and migration of sockeye salmon in Cooper Landing, Alaska. Wow. And talk about an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, and as special as the experience was, <clears throat> you know, I still would probably prefer being in a pool with a dog. But, I mean, being in Alaska is the most amazing place I've ever been. It was a magical place, and the wildlife was incredible. I mean, the, the bird life, you know, the bears, the fish, it was just absolutely amazing. And I'm in the river hanging out with the fish, taking pictures <laughs> of them underwater and, and observing their incredible journey. They're traveling up to thousands of miles, you know, uh, into the Russian River, and they're, you're basically trying to, you know, to finish out their lives and spawn and create new baby fish. And that's sort of the end of their life, but it's also the beginning of their life. So it was an incredible journey. But, um, you know, I think ultimately I still prefer photographing dogs if I have the choice. So how many different cameras do you do you use? I have, um, well, I have three versions of the same camera. So it's a Canon. If, do you want me to tell you the technical specs of it? Uh, if you want to. It doesn't matter. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's a Canon 7D, um, and I love it because it shoots a lot of pictures. And I always joke with people, when you're photographing pets, uh, if you take enough pictures, at least one of them will turn out. <laughs> you're photographing anything, I guess. So <laughs> that's the number one rule. Take a lot of pictures. And I'll give you an example. The shot I did for National Geographic of this dog, I probably did about, maybe I did about 20 or 30 pictures, not a lot of pictures. And I, I got a shot that was ultimately in National Geographic Visions of Earth, which was, which was amazing. That's a total dream come true. And then on the flip side, I work with Duncan the pug, and uh, this is in Texas, and he already likes to swim, but to get the right picture, we had to, spin, we had to do a couple different photo shoots, and I shot over 2,000 pictures to get that one. Wow. Um, so the nice thing about this Canon camera, it shoots up to eight pictures a second, which is fantastic. Uh, and then I put that camera in a, an underwater housing, which is designed for surfers and surf photographers. So people photographing surfing and bodyboarding and waves. I just decided that uh, I'd rather photograph dogs with it, and it works really well for me, photographing dogs. So I have that. I use a fisheye lens, um, and I use some flash and, of course, a tennis ball. Yeah. Swim trunks. <laughs> An important element. So I so you just a take belt. a regular I put a weight belt on there. That's I just right. hold my breath. <laughs> so you just have your regular camera but you have a special housing that makes it safe for it to go underwater. I do. You know, I tried without the special housing and I realized my camera didn't work too well oh. after <laughs> after that. So I got a <laughs> Lesson learned, Vanessa. That's right. That's right. You learned. I got an underwater housing, and I, I bought. I, I actually bought it at a time where, because before underwater dogs, things were going pretty well, but they weren't going great to the point to the fact that I, maybe I couldn't afford rent. 
So I actually spent the last uh, several thousand dollars I had on a credit card limit to buy my underwater housing. And my friends were like, you need to be, you need to be photographing weddings. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? You're spending the last several thousand dollars that you have. And it wasn't even mine. It was, it was MasterCards or Visas, one of those guys. Right. But uh, they're like, why are you doing that? You should photograph weddings. I said, you know, weddings aren't my thing. I mean, weddings, I like to attend weddings and go dance at weddings and, and all that, but I'm not trying to go photograph weddings because it's not my passion. So I decided to, do, um, to go make that investment and just explore it, and I'm glad that I did. Well, I'm glad that you did too because I think your photography is amazing. So I'm curious. I always like to tell artists if they're, you know, if there's something that they want to do and they, they have a story to tell, they have something to say, find a way to do it. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be barriers. There's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be some reason why you can't. But that's the, that's the fun of it. That's the challenge of it. And I guess if you were to consider yourself an artist, if I consider myself an artist, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. And so in this case, I did. I, I went out <laughs> thanks to credit cards. I love credit cards. I always recommend people go get as many credit cards as you can. No, don't do that. But in this situation, I took a chance on it, and I believed in the idea, not knowing it would ever become popular, though. I just was so interested in it, and I, I believed that it could be interesting and would help me grow as an artist, as a photographer. And uh, that's kind of what happened. So I always like to tell, I always to get artists inspired. Say, you know what, go out and you, you go do it. Because I do meet some people and they're like, oh, I'd like to do underwater photography one day or I'd like to do this one day, but I just can't. If you believe in something enough, then you can go make it happen. Well, I admire that you sound like you were so fearless about it, that you were so confident in pursuing this impulse that you had that you didn't have fear around doing that. Maybe I was a fool. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I was blinded by my love for dogs. I'm not sure, but I did believe that that it was worth it. I always believed that it was worth it. It's sort of like, um, and it's sort of like Back to the Future, you know, when uh, when George tells Marty McFly, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. That's kind of how I like to live. But it's always not going to work. I've tried some things that don't work. Can you try it? Maybe it didn't work. Yeah. But, but then something does. And this idea, I always felt like it was right. It, it made sense to spend that money, because that was a pretty big deal for me to spend you know, I was in trouble though because I couldn't pay my I couldn't pay my bills for a little while because I didn't have any any money left. But so, how long did it take for um, for you to start making money off of this idea of underwater dogs once you invested in the equipment? I bought the gear in um, the the more professional gear because I had a little point and shoot camera for a while, and I tried to rent a couple camera housings. But after I bought this housing, to really have the time to explore it because then I had access to the camera and then I could actually go out every day and work with it uh, and access to the housing. But let's see, probably about six months, okay. eight months, six to eight months. I think June and then February is where I started making money, February 10th of 2012. So just about a year ago. So what were some of the ways that you promoted your, your work after you started taking the photographs? The World Wide Web. A wonderful thing. <laughs> a wonderful thing, the internet. If this was 1975, I would not have a book called Underwater Dogs. I can promise you that. Yeah. Because no one would have seen the pictures. I mean, the pictures became, they were already living online on my Facebook page and my website. A few people had seen them, but not many. Literally one day in February, somebody took one of those pictures and reposted it on a blog, which then got reposted and picked up by the media and then reposted and reposted and shared. And all of a sudden, um, you know, Tens of millions of people 
were looking at my photographs. I mean, just in a matter of a few hours. That's That's the other exciting thing about being an artist is, you know, one minute you could, you know, you could just be a struggling artist and the next minute you could be a celebrity online. And it's just a matter of (laughs) a few hours and the power of the internet. I mean, it's absolutely incredible to watch. The whole term viral, you know, oh, that went viral. I never really understood that. You know, someone could give you a description of it, but wow, when you experience it, then you get it. Well, and tell our listeners how they can come find you so they can make you an even bigger online celebrity than you are now. Sure. Uh, Littlefriendsphoto.com is my website. And I would say our pets are our friends, our little friends. They all have unique personalities, but they can be difficult to capture in a fit series of photographs. That's why I say little friends. I always said little friends growing up. I don't know why. But then someone said, well, what if you have a horse? Or what if you have a Great Dane? I'm like, well... Uh, then it's not so little friend, but still. But littlefriendsphoto.com. And then our new uh, nonprofit effort is called onepicturesaves.com. And we're going to be starting our first workshop in the New York area in April, uh, open to the public. So if anybody out there is interested in volunteering and helping make a difference for homeless pets through photography, go to onepicturesaves.com, you know, check it out, get involved. We'd love your help. Uh, it, it'd be fantastic to see you out there. And is it one picture saves with the number one or with the spelled out O-N-E? Oh, spelled out. Yeah, O-N-E, picturesaves.com. One picturesaves.com. Well, excellent. And thank you so much for being on the show. Do you have any last thoughts to share with our listeners about how they might tap into their own creativity? I would just say whatever you believe in, whatever inspires you, let that happen. You know, whatever it is, stay positive and believe in something and it'll work. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Seth. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I had fun. Absolutely. And thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artisworship.net. Please come share your stories of art as worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash art worship. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste. Namaste.